Philippians chapter 2 verse 3. So let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a burnt servant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance uh, as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Praise the Lord. Praise the living Jesus. So today, today is, is kind of part nine of all this um, series, Becoming a Selfless Christian. Becoming a Selfless Christian. We have uh, seen, we, we branched into different areas, becoming a selfless spouse, becoming a selfless parent. I was going to talk about becoming a selfless uh, child, but a uh, child but, or selfless children. But I feel um, I might have to handle that in a separate um, session uh, because I felt in my heart that we need, um, God wants us to go into the book of Ephesians and start exploring and reminding ourselves about, of, of our identity in Christ Jesus. So from next week, by God's grace, we're going to be going deep into, into the new creation realities in a sense, in our identities, our rights and privileges in Christ Jesus. So we've been looking at things around character, you know, um, character lifestyle in the past nine weeks. But I feel as I was praying during the week, I feel like God wants us to then you know, get into, go also in, or dive into uh, reminding ourselves, reinforcing our identity in Christ Jesus. So hence, I will not, I will not bring that one up now. But I'll teach, I mean, teaching on selfless kids, I'll teach that in a, in a separate session in future. Praise the Lord. So um, just to bring back our memory to how we started this series. So uh, I'm going to play a video very quickly to remind us of what self, what selfishness looks like, and then we look at the selfless lifestyle of Jesus how Jesus embodied selflessness and how we should emulate Jesus as followers of Christ, how we should follow Christ Jesus and become selfless. Amen. So let's quickly look at, watch this video. And I want to see the kids' reaction. The kids were not there when first time I shared it. Let's do this. Awesome. Thank you. Right. Um, can I get some feedback from the kids? What they thought of that video? Okay. Who wants to speak first? Hmm. 
what what do you think what, i mean what do you think of the video of those kids the kids are just being greedy they are being greedy <laughs> all right okay being greedy the chat man that said the kids were just being greedy <laughs> all right so, so who else wants to Interested. So who wants to add to that? Anybody else wants to say something about those kids? Anybody else? All right. So um as you as you guys can see from the video that these are babies i mean they've not been they were not taught to be selfish to be greedy right it tells us that naturally human beings are selfish and when we talk about being a mature christian it means you need to lay aside some selfishness and i've tried to help us understand that to mature as a christian is not about growing physically or biologically maturing as a christian is laying aside selfish things you know um embracing a sense of responsibility ownership being able to share considering other people right not just looking at your own interest now one thing i want to do as i'm teaching this morning one thing very important i would like you to bear in mind is this. i don't want you to sit to this service as another day in church whereby you get some knowledge in your mind and it was a good teaching, it was a good service, and we go home. Now, this is the final um, part of this series. I want you to spend some time with yourself during this week or today to reflect and ask yourself questions. How have I been selfish? In what ways am I selfish? Which areas of my life do I need to consider other people more than myself? In a sense, I'm going to go into scriptures. I'm kind of jumping ahead of myself because I have a lot of time to do this this morning. Right. I want us to do some reflection. Now, think about the choice of words that you use like I, me, me, I, me, what I want. Now, the context of situations where you use the word I or me, at this context, are they supposed to be we and us? Instead of me and I. Because when you use the word me and I, you are considering yourself. Just you are the one at the center of the equation, center of the show. I want to ask some practical questions here. Now, I know because we still uh, quite few in church at the moment, as we are still trying to get our foundations right and you know build, uh, take roots down so that the structure we build in the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years at the lot tarries. Is something that will be able to last generation. So we're taking our time to slowly grow, to develop, which is, to me, the ideal way to grow a church, uh, to be the lasting church. Now, by the time more people begin to come in, we begin to, I mean, we build some systems and processes to embrace people, I mean, to welcome people and to help people on their journey of becoming who God has called them to be. Definitely, the pastor isn't going to get your time the way many of you have my time now. So how are you going to feel in those days? A pastor doesn't have our time anymore. Now the church has grown. If that is your thinking, to be honest, with all the respect, I'm going to use the one word here. It's going to be quite insulting. You're stupid. Yeah. 
if that's your thinking I start moaning and grumbling, you are very stupid. It means that what pastor have taught you for many years, you didn't get it. Because at that point in time, you're supposed to grow, you are supposed to have grown and been thinking of taking responsibilities. Now, the, the point where you should be using the word I, right, at the place where you are thinking, what do I need to do to support this vision? What part do I need to play in this assignment? Some of you have been with me for nearly three years now. Some of you have been with me for nearly, some of you have known me much longer than that. And um, by God's grace, this church and the body of Christ should not be a place where people want to coast or just want to fold them and not just want to be on the, uh, uh, cover themselves with a blanket and just sit on the couch and, you know, popping their, eating their popcorn and stuff like that. Amen? Well, what I'm saying to you guys is right now, I didn't even plan it. But it was a strong word that came to my heart. God said this to me during the week. I kind of took it off my mind, but as I was teaching that, it's bringing it back to my mind. Okay, okay, as I was before, before I actually came on, on here, and it also reminded me again now. Because we live in an individu individualistic culture whereby the focus is on the person. And this attitude is one thing that is destroying us in the body of Christ. Another practical example is this. Now, there's this mindset that we should get the best customer service. Right? So, um, we go to... We go to these coffee shops, we go to the grocery shops, we go to eateries, we go to places, and we pay for a service. What do we do? We pay for a service, and we expect the best service for the money that we are paying. But ignorantly, we seem to bring this same attitude into the church. So where things don't go according to people's plan or how they want it, focused on themselves, they begin to do tantrums. So as you saw in this video, some people, even though they don't kick their pastor or their pastor's wife or other believers the way the kids were smacking their parents who tried to take something from them, many people in the church do it verbally, grumbling, complaining, you know, holding carcass and factions behind, you know, forming their own carcass and their own faction. And these things divide the body of Christ, split the church. I'm trying to show us how terrible and destructive selfishness is in the church if believers don't learn to grow, to mature, to think of taking responsibilities as opposed to thinking of what they can get. I thank God I'm not raising stupid people, right? But if you are a member, if you're not a member of this church and you've been part of a local church for many years, right, and the church is growing, and instead of you to think of how you can support the vision and support the pastor, support people, you're thinking of the attention you don't have anymore. We do, no, we don't, I'm not putting any respect here. You're just being stupid. And stupidity means not to apply common sense. It means you are not using your senses at all. It means you have not grown. It shows that your pastor has labored in vain. Amen. So two, those are two practical things I felt <clears throat> I, I felt prompted to share with you people. And also, as I was talking about reflection, you know, I'll give you two examples as the Lord leads in my heart during the week. <clears throat> I don't know why. Also, I want you to also think about your life. Think about what you're doing. Think about your relationship with people. Are you so focused on self, myself, I, what I want to get? Or you're thinking of how can I be of value? How can I add value to people? You know, stupid also means foolish. Now, if you go through the book of Proverbs properly, you see that, you know, uh, 
uh, Solomon was always construct and contrasting stupidity and foolishness with um, with being wise. God wants us to walk in wisdom. He wants us to take responsibility and be wise people. But that selfishness. Turn your Bible to the book of James chapter 3 verse 16. You can read that later on, but you can turn your Bible to it and see what it says. The Bible says there, it said, Where there's envy and selfish ambition, see, there's confusion and every evil work. See, at the root of a lot of the darkness, the evil, the manipulation, the molestation that we have in the church today is self-centeredness. When people are thinking of what they want to get and what they can get and for their benefit and their value alone. And friends, this attitude is so embedded in us. And I'm telling you, and that's why I played that video to you guys. I'm trying to explain to you this morning that it is a natural bent. It is the bent of a natural human being, an unsaved person. One of the reasons why I played that video to us to share to show us this morning is to help us understand that, you see, don't point fingers at people who are selfish, accusing fingers at people who are selfish. We are all naturally selfish. We got to be trained to be selfless. Now, the Bible tells us that, Romans chapter 5, verse 5, it said, um, the love of God has been poured out in our heart by the Holy Ghost who has been given to us. What does love of God look like? John 3, 16, it said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. God, God gave everything he had. Romans chapter 5, verse 8, make us to understand that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, the selfless and unconditional love of God has been poured out in our heart. When we give our life to Christ Jesus, we receive the nature of God to live a selfless life. When we are born into this world, corrupted with sin, corrupted by sin, we are born selfish. But as a born-again child of God, you have a new identity. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, a new creature, all things are passed away and all things become new. You have a new identity in Christ and that new identity, that new nature in Christ is selfless. So you and I now have to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We need to give substance, give, need to work on ourselves to give expression to the new nature of Christ in us by learning to be selfless. Praise the Lord. Are we still in service this morning or have everybody gone home? Amen. I was at, I was at a friend's place yesterday where we were we, we chatting and we're talking about one of the pastors that I respect. He's a well-respected pastor in, 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 in the States as a Christian leader. But he's, he's, a, he's something, he's someone Joyce Meyer calls an avid encourager, something along those lines. And um, we're kind of talking about how it does ministry. We're not trying to judge, but a few questions came up. And my position was, as a pastor, who is called to raise people, to shape people's character, and to, mo to mold people, like Jesus gave us that assignment in the book of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, down to 13 or 14, you know, to, to equip people to do the work of Christ, to kind of train them to be soldiers and stuff like that. It's not going to be every day you are good. God bless you. The words, the words that you finger things, you can do all things. You can... Mm. 
part of growth is pushing, is working against pressure, working against the, the pressure and the force of culture, ungodly culture that we live in. To grow, if you go to the gym, to grow your muscles, to grow, to, to build up energy, you have to work against the weights. You have to work against your natural frequency of, of operation or how you live your life. So to grow, to be, to be healthier is not convenient. Pain comes with it. So talking about this pastor, as I said, you know, the only challenge I have with this man of God is this. He tends to always only talk about what makes you feel good and comfortable. It does not give you the truth that will challenge the input of the world, of darkness of the world, this demonic world. It, it does not give you the word of the word of Christ to challenge it, to, to, to get rid of it. Jesus said, Jesus said in the book of John chapter 8, he said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Because lies and deception brings bondage. But truth is not that comfortable, it's not, it's not convenient or comfortable to the flesh. So when the truth starts getting so very comfortable with the flesh, you need, to, you need to question what that truth looks like. Truth will make you feel uncomfortable in the flesh, but it brings you liberation, liberty, freedom, empowerment. And none of us are perfect yet. And we will not be. So as long as we are not perfect and we have flaws, we have things in our life, there must be truth that will come from time to time to check the, 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 the downward flow of our direction so that we can grow to become what God has called us to be. Amen. Praise the Lord. Right. So those, are, those words I've shared with you are things that just come up in my spirit very quickly. I feel I should share with you guys. So if at all I don't even finish my notes today, I, feel, I believe I have um, delivered the word of the Lord to you guys. Reflection. Where have you been selfish? Where do you need to make changes in your marriages? I spend about say, three or four weeks talking about uh, becoming a selfless spouse. I also looked at a few weeks, um, I think three weeks, three weeks. I also looked at becoming a selfless um, parent. Friends, check your life in your marriage as a child, as a parent. I've done a good job in the past eight weeks teaching you guys. Where do you need to think about the other people, even in the church? Okay, let me help you here a little bit. Even in the church, one of the ways of being selfless is by not putting your nose in other people's business. Now, it may sound like, how oh, we don't care about this person. We are supposed to check on this person. See, we are available. We check on people. We love people. We care about people. We need to also respect people's boundaries and space. If we check on people and I say they are fine and stuff like that, we should leave it at that. We should, we should leave it at that. We can pray for people. If people don't come to you to say, I need you to pray with me on something or something, don't push. Don't pursue. And I'm talking to myself because as a father, in a sense, a, spirit, a father over this household, I care deeply for everyone who are present in the church or go through us. So many times, even people who have left, I'm thinking about oh, this person all right. And many times I sense in my spirit when somebody is not comfortable. And I want to check, but you get insults most of the time. So I'll just pray for them, even though my body is itching to check on these people. Now, do you know that even God does not force himself on people? 
Jesus does not force himself on people. Do you know that God knows the needs you have? He sees the pain you're going through, but God will not force himself on you. If you don't seek God for help, you cannot because he's giving you the power of will. So if God, will not, if God will not force himself on people, Jesus will not force himself on people. So why should I as a pastor try to forcefully help people? On Monday, I was so tired and exhausted. And one thing I said to myself, I said, I'm tired of trying to help people succeed, make it, be successful at every necessary cost. I'm tired. It wears me out. Do you know what that means? It means I'll see people heading for destruction. I'll say, can I help? I'm here if you need help. Or pray for them. Or if you tell me I don't need your help, I'm just going to watch them go into destruction. Some people will die. I'll watch some, I will watch some people die. Uh, Somebody is feeling uncomfortable. Pastor, why are you saying, how will you say you watch some people die? Yes, I will see some people die. I will see some people go into destruction and, and perish. As long as they are saved, glory be to God. I will pray for them. I will offer. But if they don't come, that's it. If they don't respond, that's it. Friends, I've done this for nearly 30, 14, 15 years. And I've not had good results. I've not had tangible results. It costed me so much. Which means that I deprived many other people of my time, attention, and being a blessing to them because I'm focusing on a few who don't see my help, value, reasonable, useful. So it means I'm being selfish and I'm being stupid. Right? I, am, I was being stupid to focus on just a handful of people that I, because I love them, I care about them, and not focusing on the nation and the world that God has you know, entrusted me to share the gospel with and to train. There are people who are looking for every opportunity to spend five minutes with me, and I'm killing myself over some people who are saying, guy, oh, you, 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 I'm looking at you, what do you have? So even in church, one of the ways we live self, selfless is by minding our business. We offer to help, we check on people, but if people say, mind your business, you only pray for them. Mind your business. Friends, if we really, really understand the value of our own lives, how much work is in our own life to, not Jesus, how are you living this morning? Okay, I'll just keep following you because I'm checking the time. So if you really know how much work you need to do on your life, Right? You will know that you don't really have the time to be snooping into people's business. Should I give an example? Let me use my life as an example. I'm a pastor, right? Now, when I came into pastoring, I was going to start pastoring the way I was trained to pastor. But the world has changed. How many young people do you see in churches today who actually are grounded in the word of God? Many young people, young, many young people who go to church today go to church to meet their friends. And we can test. And, and what I'm saying to you, right? I've read reports in the past two months. I've read reports of um, interviews with thousands, hundreds of thousands of young people. So what I'm saying to you is not philosophy or what I think or what I've experienced. I mean, report, research report. So majority of young people go to church to meet their friends. They are not going to really meet Christ, get entertained. And when the, when the, when the feeling and excitement of entertainment wears out, they're looking for something. And there's so much that goes into it. But before I, go, I, I stumble on this information and this report and start, start restructuring the church and, re, and re-strategizing how we do ministry, I came into ministry to, you know, I just want to be a blessing. I, and I was just expecting people, when you share the love of God with them and things like that, they'll be interested. But I was shocked to realize that people are not, majority of people are not interested in the faith in God at all, even Christians. And that really disturbed me. 
Do you know how many hours I spent? I've not I've spent not less than 80 to 100 hours just doing a study on the state of the church at the moment in the past less than six weeks now. Hours. There was a particular week. Once I wake up in the morning at 8 o'clock, that's a first thing, reading, studying, and I did that for the entire week. In the morning, sometimes I start at 8 in the morning, I finish at 10 at night for the entire week. And that does not include the 4, four hours, 5, 5 hours I was building in for many several weeks. And I've not even started. Now, as a pastor, when I realized that what I saw, what, what I believe God wants to accomplish in the life of people, I wasn't seeing that. I had to, I had to figure out what it is. Do you know how many hours I still need to invest? Now, and that's just one part. The second part is even to help people to transition from where they are to where God wants them to be. Do you know, do you know the processes, the systems, the partnerships that I need to understand how to build, how to maintain, empower people, train people to be able to run those systems? Even that is in my church. Even my personal life, my leadership skills, communication style. You know, being able to, you know, have a broad and vast knowledge of the key fundamental areas of our lives here, past, um, parenting, finance, and all kind of stuff, so that I can, I can raise people, people who are balanced. See, that has not come to the place of my marriage yet, as to the vision of God for my marriage and what I need to do to be a five-star husband. See, that has not even come to parenting yet. The things that, the gaps that I've seen in my life that I need to learn so that I can pass some, some sound values to my kids. See, that has not come to even my, what I do as for finances because I don't believe that I'm supposed to be on the kind of income I'm in right now because it's hindering me from doing ministry. So that's just not going to even my knowledge of economics. See, I've not, I'm, what I've just shared with you is just 40% of how much of my life that needs attention. And it's not just me, it applies to each and every one of us. If each and every one of us are not enjoying our life in our finances, it means there's a lot of work you need to do on yourself. Do you, do you, know, do you know how complicated the systems, the economic and the financial system of the world are? So when you, when you begin to think in this direction, you guys are so blessed, man, because in my own 20 years of being a Christian, no pastor ever shared these things with me. So... The few things I've shared with you, when you really understand what it is, that God wants you to live in freedom and from Monday to Saturday, your life is a struggle. You clock in at 8.30 or 9, 8 o'clock or some of you check out of, uh, you leave home at 6 o'clock and by the time you finish work in the evening, you are tired and exhausted. You are even struggling to spend time with your kids. Is that the lifestyle that God wants us to have? So if you are not even living the lifestyle that God wants you to live so that you can have a sound mind and add value to his kingdom, then there's a lot of work to be done on yourself and on your life. So when you, when you, are, when you begin to see these things I've just talked about, you realize that when somebody, when a person say then they are rejecting your help, your assistance, no, you don't cry or moan or complain because you, your life needs a lot of attention. Do you know that the best gift you can give to any church, the best gift you can give to your spouse, the best gift you can give to the kingdom of God is to improve yourself, is to grow, is to mature. So the best gift to give to people is not to be chasing them up and down. Do you know that I would, 
I would not be as valuable to you guys if I had not improved myself. Now, those things that I share with you as to the areas of your life and my areas of my life and ministry that you need to work on. Do you know how many months of study to the point that my eyes were aching to learn those things? Because in my entire life as a Christian, no pastor has ever shared those things with me as to the essence of living life, of how to live a balanced Christian life or how to live a life as a Christian from Monday to Sunday. Now, if I don't know those things, if I've not learned them, do you think I would have been able, I could, I could mention them to you? So, me constantly developing myself, that's why some of you, when you call me, I see your call coming, I didn't answer. Because I'm reading. And if I answer that call, I will interrupt my reading. Ex, I, will inter, I will interrupt my reading, and depending on what kind of we talk about, then I go back. And if you leave a text message, if it's urgent, I call you immediately. And some of you guys are able to catch me when I'm when I'm, um, when, when, I'm, when, I'm, when I'm, when I'm able to answer calls. If I spend my time talking to people, just talking, 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 when will I have time to invest in myself to come and pour into you guys? Amen. So I hope I've been able to convince you that even in, praise the Lord, even, even in the church, one of the ways to be selfless is to mind your business. Amen. Mind your. Do you know how many movies I've watched on Netflix this week alone in order to understand certain things that culture, the culture of this world, is feeding the mind of young people? My wife could I have spreadsheets. See, I was watching movies on Netflix, some series, and I was taking notes on the left. She came up with what I said, I'm working. Praise the Lord. Let's quickly do service according to my notes for today. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Welcome to reality to the reward. You guys haven't seen anything yet. So if we are not really campaigning and um, promoting TTC and to, uh, to say people come and join TTC and stuff like that, no, it's not because we are jobless or we don't know what you're doing. It's because some of just a little, those things I've shared with you, which is a little, What's ahead of us? I was saying to my wife, I can't believe I will have to be watching some series on Netflix and, and taking notes to understand the strategy of the enemy, evil things that enemy is scheming through the media to, to, to inflict the mind of you people and your kids and looking through the scriptures, what the scripture says about it and thinking of how I can creatively attack the input of the enemy in people's mind. <laughs> Welcome to the 24th century, ministry in the 24th century. But that's not how I came into pastoring. That's not how I saw pastoring. I just wanted to preach the word of God, teach the word of God. We are teaching the word of God. We are teaching the word of God. The lifestyle these people are living outside of church, it does not match at all what we are teaching them on Sunday and the Bible study. And it bothers me. When, Christ, when some young Christians, when they talk, you're asking them, are you, are you the second born of Satan or are you a child of God? And I have to go and research and say what's actually happening. What will the future church look like? What kind of services should we be running in the future? What kind of teams should we be building in the future? What kind of systems do we need for the future? Because the world has changed drastically. How many, except for many, except for some churches, some churches are very good. I don't respect them for that. But majority of churches around us in our local communities, how, what, what, what keeps the kids in the church? 
How many of them have young people who are very relevant and vibrant? Even the ones that are relevant and vibrant, because I was watching a few of them, they are very religious mind, mind, minded. They cannot even separate, the, excuse me, they can't even correlate technology and, or science and Christianity, the creativity of God. It was saddening to see that many young Christians cannot, cannot demonstrate or prove or show people or tell people that, that science, you know, kind of explains or proves the supernatural power of God. When young people are vibrant in the spirit, in quote, are calling technology witchcraft. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Give me 10 minutes. I'm going to shut this down. Let's do this. So, I was trying to show us today the lifestyle of Jesus. You know, we saw in the Bible, you know, as we put this, bring this to a close today by force, by power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The lifestyle of Jesus. Let's take that Bible verse again. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. Now it says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. So the antidote to selfishness that causes a lot of chaos and problems in the church is esteeming others better than yourself. Consider other people. Say, don't think about only your perspective or your perception. Listen to other people's opinion and perception. One of the things I'm going to be training you guys on in 2024 is how to, how to see people. How not to define people by their behavior, but to see a person and to be able to relate with the person, hear that story, connect with people, have relationship with people so that you can, be, you can, you, you can influence them. See, gone are the days of, you know, those revival meetings that people, a lot of people will trunk in and then people get healed and that's it. And to be honest with you, many of those, the product of many of those revival set, of those revival meetings, majority of the, the product of the majority, I'm not talking about a few who went on to take life seriously and do what God has called them to do, but majority of them were not really, they were not really, really, they, re, they didn't really had much value to the body of Christ. It tells us something is not working. Because human beings, see, when it comes to running ministry and church, right, it's not numbers, it is people. Human beings. So we got to learn to see people as people and relate with people. So it, because it's, it's nonsense when we say we have 5,000 church. And the pastor himself cannot really tell to a very much extent, cannot give a profile of the quality of life that the 5,000 member church are, are, are living. Other than that, we have 5,000 people. Offering was great. Anointing. People came forward to give their life to Christ. We have many fellowship, fellowship centers. But what, what can you say as to the quality of the life of the people? The testimonies are in the lines of um, this person got a house, this person bought a car, this person has a breakthrough year, they're the senior executive in this company, they got healed. But what about their life? <sighs> Praise the Lord. So let's learn to esteem others better than ourselves. Let me quickly run through this. I said I, said I want the 10 minutes, right? Um, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others that better than themselves. Let each of you look out. Watch this. Let each of you look out, not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. 
Praise the Lord. So I, I don't want us to, to sing out this verse of the, of the scripture. I want us to think on it and think of how to practice it. So anything you want to do, don't think of me only. Let's learn to be, be a risk assessment officer. A risk assessment officer who is thinking of the impact of other things. I understand that I've been doing this for many years, so it's kind of a lifestyle to me now, but you guys need to start practicing it. You want to buy a new property, a new house. You like the house. You like the area. What about your kids? Is it safe for your kids to live in? Yeah, you want to, you know, your friends are in these areas. You know, sometimes some parents, they will move house because of the friends of their kids. Not minding the spiritual soundness of their children. Thinking about if they leave this church, would they be able to grow? No, but it's their friends. Parents, can we see where, we, where some of us are adding to the destruction of the life of our kids? But their friends, their friends. The question is, even their friends, are they godly? Do they know what the plan and are they working in the concept and the will of, the, of God? Do they respect or even honor God? So when we are thinking, in, when we, whatever you want to do, learn to think of your, your next neighbor, most of the time your spouse, your kids, your relatives. Don't think about only what I can get out of it. Let's begin to destroy those cages of selfishness, those walls of selfishness that has bound our mind. So from today, you must make it a practice, right? When you, if you have not been doing it, you want to do something, how will this benefit also my immediate next door neighbor, which in, the, in, in, in every instance is your spouse, your kids, your friends, your relatives. How will it impact them? How will it benefit them? Amen. When I was going to buy a car, the one I was going to change my car, I was very family conscious and even serving people. I said, you know what? I could buy a very nice car that with just three doors. And uh, I said, but no. I'm a people's person. I want a car that is, you know, serving me like a good drive. But at the same time, and the cars really served me when we're doing stuff in church and stuff like that. That car served us. If we got something smaller than that, nicer, even kind of more expensive, it would have just been, I would have suffered. Now I'm enjoying, I'm, I've enjoyed that car so much because I was not only thinking about my interest. I'm not saying that I will not, but I don't even like fast cars. I don't let them some good there. Right. I'm not saying you don't buy your mini coupe, coupe, whatever. I'm not saying that you don't buy your stuff, right? But for me, that's just my preference. And I've spoken to quite a number of women, and it annoys me the nonsense I hear from many women. It was my business with somebody else. Well, it's just my car. I was like, are you, are you, are you listening to yourself? You have a family. You're not, well, we'll just move it. I'm like, are we thinking? And that attitude is affecting other many areas of our lives. Hence, many of us are not as affected as, as we should be in our lives. Me, my own interest. So don't look at your interest alone. At least think of how can this be a blessing to somebody else. See, friends, everything God has given you, He gave you to be a blessing to other people. Everything is given us, He gave us to be a blessing to other people. Praise the Lord. 
Lord Jesus, we'll get into it. Now, uh, verse 5 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery uh, to be equal with God. Let's go to the Amplified Version. Philippians chapter 2, Amplified. Uh, look at verse 5. Verse 5 reads, So let the same attitude and purpose and humble mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Let him be your example of humility. Excuse me. Who, although being essentially one with God, and in the form of God, possessing the fullness of the attributes which make God God, did not think this equality with God was a thing to be eagerly grasped or retained. A few words I want to call out here, why I asked us to look at the Amplified, was is a, in verse 5, we said, let, him, let Jesus be your example of humility. Let Jesus be your, what, your example of humility. I'm gonna go back to uh, I'm gonna go back to Nick and James now. Let Jesus be your, your example of what of humility. Let's go to NKJV. So I read verse six of uh, Nick and James now. He said, "Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation." On that word, there is reputation. Taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So we're talking about selflessness, right? But look at Jesus. Now, Jesus, is the, is, Jesus was God come in the flesh. The Bible says that he embodies all of the, de- the power, the date, everything about God that the awesomeness of God, but Jesus did not consider it something to be used to his own advantage. What power do you have? What authority do you have? What has God given to you? The Bible says you should make Jesus your example. Not to use those things to your own advantage, but to think about the kingdom of God. As a pastor, I, got, I have power, spiritual power by God's grace, and some other things that God has given to me. I have influence. I have access to people. The Bible says that I should not use it to my own advantage. But I should think about the kingdom of God. Now the Bible says for, says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him would not perish but have eternal life. So God's plan was to restore mankind falling because of sin to himself. right? And Jesus, being God come in the flesh, right, did not... Did not, did not even consider his reputation. He laid aside his majesty, his power, every, every of his glory. And he came as a human. I mean, the greatest person in the, in the universe, the greatest person in heaven and on earth, in a sense, right, came in the form of human being to die for you and I. And the Bible says that we should make this our example, make Jesus our example of humility. Amen. Make Jesus your example of humility. What do you have? Don't think about reputation. Don't think about what you want to get. Don't think about what you can get. How can you serve? How can you help people? How can you value other people? How can you make someone feel special? Not just about you, me, high. Or me, high, high. Self, me, high. 
Praise the Lord. A few things I have in my notes very quickly I want to read out. You know, verse 4 says, Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. So I said, think about the benefit of others. Put yourself in other people's shoes. Learn to look at things from other people's point of view. Don't focus on only how you see things. Don't focus on how you, on, how only you see things. You're not an island of knowledge. You don't know it all. Because if you don't start making this shift, you cannot be selfless. Because when you see things only from your own perspective, and that will be your perspective, and you are not trying to be patient to see other people's perspective, or to even try to understand them. See, there's some, there's some stupid things I see among many people, whereby they want to enforce their own opinion, and will not give room to other people's opinion. And even when they give room to other people's opinion, they still want to enforce their own opinion. Is that thing that they want to get, what they want to do that must happen? Is wickedness, is darkness, is manipulation, is witchcraft. People will be talking to you and they will make a mistake. You can easily tell, you know, I was correcting someone about this. They tell someone something and maybe the person did not hear properly and the, people are, and the person asked them to say, you know, were you saying this? Well, what did you say? And they're like, did I not tell you? I'm like, this is not right. This is not good. This is not of the nature of Christ. In communication, we try our best to help the person to understand it. And friends, if you're not careful, if we don't deal with this attitude, we'll infect our family members and our immediate friends with this, with this toxic behavior. I'm not preaching this morning, I'm talking. And God is speaking to our hearts. This is, this, this is a kind of teaching for, your, for you to make adjustment. That's why I'm not giving you scriptures upon scriptures. And talking about the mindset, I said, you know, you know, develop an attitude, right, that expresses itself, that finds expression or that expresses itself, is itself in selflessness. Just love people, care about people. Don't put your nose in other people's business. Don't pursue people, people who don't want you in their business. Respect people's space. Pray for them. Watch this. Reputation. Your reputation is the general belief or opinion that other people have of you. But most of the time, your reputation is not an accurate reflection of your character. Most of the time, your reputation, which is people's opinion of you, is not the accurate reflection of your character. So if we are reputation conscious, we're going to have problems with our character. Reputation conscious from the point of... We want to maintain our people serious, but we are, not, we are not focusing on how to be a better person or how to conform to the image of Christ. You know, because we know we can stage things. We can stage things. We can dress nice. We can speak the lingua. We can speak the language. We can act nice. We can put certain pictures on social media. Kids, I listen to this. We can put photos on social media. We can make people form an opinion of us. And because of social media today, it's been difficult to be able, for people to be able to look beyond people, what people, the brand people project and what people truly are. So why don't you work harder on yourself that the nice things people perceive of you is a true reflection of your character? So if people perceive it to be nicer than you really are, start working on your character. So by the time they get closer, the nicety or the niceness they see outside is what they get inside. I, say, I don't live a double life. So what I am behind when I'm offline, 
It's what I am when I come to teach. So that's why it's good for people to get used to it. As opposed to you hear pastor one day, pastor, pastor is angry. Ah, that guy is always nice. So say, oh, God is good. You know, God bless you guys. No, 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 guys. I'm a crazy guy. I'm a crazy guy for Jesus. I'm crazy. I'm not really normal. Jesus was not normal either. Amen. They asked and said, what kind of man is this that even the wind and the storm will bend him? I'm not normal. Right? So I'm not, I, I didn't come to ministry to come and put up a kind of look. God bless you. God bless you. God forbid, God forbid you didn't hear some pastors, they're molesting the daughters and stuff like that. But on the outside, they are. No, nah, I ain't doing all of that. There's more that goes in there. If you are very people conscious and you want them to have a particular perspective of you, you will lose sight of your true character, of developing your character. And even though you are decaying on the inside, other people are still looking at you like you are a fantastic person. It's only a matter of time. What you carry on the inside will reflect, will catch up with what you like like on the outside. It will come out. So start focusing on your character that you are becoming a better person. Just stay with me on this journey in TTC as I help you to form sound character. And you just realize that by default you're a very nice person. And you don't need to cook it up. As I bring all of this to a close in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So don't put in effort to make people have, uh, don't put, okay, don't concentrate your effort in making people have an opinion of you, an, impo- uh, an, an opinion of importance of you, or to make people have an, impo- an, an important view of you. My grandma is trying to fix themselves this morning. So basically, let me put it in a normal language. So don't, don't labor all your life trying to make yourself important before people, that people think you are something important. No. Don't think about your importance. Just serve the Lord. Serve people. Love people. Care about people. Work on your character. Develop solid relationship with God. And you'll be good. Amen. So I said, develop, focus on developing a sound character. So develop a servant heart. Don't seek to be served. Seek opportunity to serve without expecting anything in return. Praise the Lord. I'll repeat, it. I'll repeat that. Develop a servant heart. Don't seek to be served. Seek opportunity to serve without expecting anything in return. Church and people are not businesses where you expect some excellent customer service that the customer service assistant should not be rude to you. Church and human relationships are people and we are not perfect. So because Pato says something you don't like, you chew me out and you start saying, man, I'm nonsense. Trust me, in TTC, I don't give a rip. Because nobody is paying me to do this. God had to wrestle with me for many... When I say wrestle, I'm not saying wrestle in, in the terms of religious people. God had to compel me and compel me for many years before I, I accept to do this. Right? So it gives me the liberty and the freedom to speak. I will not chase people. I have repented and I will not do it again. I will love people, care, about, care for people, make myself available, but I will not put my nose in people's business. I repeat. But I will serve. So, and I will do what I know. People think Jesus, people think Jesus was nice. You think Jesus, you think Jesus was very, very nice. You think <laughs> that he twisted whip of a cord of whip and drove people out of the synagogue who were, were buying and selling in the in the synagogue. He said, Don't 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 turn don't turn my father's house to the to, to, to the den of thieves. Don't even though that was symbolic. Praise the Lord. Okay, I'm going to hear your guest feedback as we 
um, after doing this. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we thank you for this morning in the name of the Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for your word that has come to us, your word of instruction to edify us, to build us, to correct us. And Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus that as we've been learning in the past nine weeks about being selfless, that we'll be able to cultivate the attitude of Jesus whereby we live a humble life. We don't um, evaluate ourselves on the basis of the world, on the basis of our accomplishments and natural accomplishments of wealth or possessions. But we see ourselves as we see, as you see us in Christ Jesus and um, love people, care about people, serve one another, pray for one another so that we can, we can build the body of Christ and not try to build our own empire, to work on our character in the name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. Lord, people who are anyone who has been who has been bruised and blighted by manipulation and abuse of immature people in the church, Lord, this morning I pray for them for healing in the name of the Lord Jesus. Yes, Lord. Yeah, heal in the name of the Lord Jesus. Heal in the name of the Lord Jesus. I pray for comfort in their soul. I pray for restoration, health in the name of Jesus. People who have turned uh, turned their back on you and on the church, Lord, I pray for healing. I pray that they will find uh, they will meet you in the name of the Lord Jesus. They will. They will find they will, be, they will they will find joy again in you and and be restored back to you in the name of the Lord Jesus, and they will not hold on to the pain of the past, to allow the uh, and allow the enemy to rob them of their future, in the name of the Lord Jesus. I pray for those people this morning for healing, uh, for restoration in their homes, restoration in their marriages, restoration in their health, restoration in their mind in the name of the Lord Jesus. I pray in the name of Jesus, people who are struggling with fear, with anxiety. And are holding back uh, from serving the Lord, serving people because of their struggles. Lord, I pray this morning in the name of the Lord Jesus that I, 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 I bind that, that, that emotion and spirit of anxiety in the name of the Lord Jesus. I release your people, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, in the freedom you have given them in Christ Jesus. Lord, people who have been chilled up, people who have been, who have been condescendingly addressed, people that the enemy, true people, people, you know, true people, has undermined their confidence, has, has destroyed, marred their confidence, has, has, has caged their life and their mind, excuse me, has implanted fear in their mind and their life. Lots of such people, I speak freedom, healing, deliverance, this morning in the name of the Lord Jesus. For I know that people who have been, who have been, who, whose confidence and whose confidence has been mad, who has been, who, who has been told that this, they can amount to anything by le uh, church leaders. I, I know such people who struggle to step up to do what you are called, you are called them to do. And I pray, Lord, for healing this morning in the name of the Lord Jesus. I, I silence that enemy speaking to their mind and their hearts in the name of the Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray for. Yeah, I prefer I speak deliverance. I speak deliverance, freedom to their mind in the name of Jesus. I take captive that spirit of fear because you have not given us a spirit of fear, but of power of love and of sound mind. In the name of the Lord Jesus. 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 Freedom in the name of Jesus. Freedom to become who God has called you to be. Freedom to do what God has called you to do in the name of Jesus. Every lying symptom, every lying oppression, mental health issues that is holding your people captive, Lord, I take them captive in the name of the Lord Jesus. And I speak healing. Healing, confidence, boldness, courage to this heart in the name of encouragement in the name of Jesus. Fearlessness in the name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Father, for I believe that these ones will rise up to become the, 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 the generals, the captains that you have called them to be in your army in the name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. 
For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord.